This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, DeGrom, five strikeouts in three innings. Yeah, we got a couple innings. We need uh, we need the what did he say? Five strikeouts. Five so strikeouts we need, in we three need, innings. Yeah, we need two more over these next two innings, and uh, then we can cash that ticket, Larry. That would be a nice little. That's right. That would be back to back wins for me. I'm not cash. You know, I don't like to brag. I don't like to get. Uh, no, I don't like to. You know, jinx it by mentioning it ahead of time. But uh, you feel like he should be able to strike out two guys in the next two innings, but. It is the Washington Nationals lineup without Soto and Bell. Right. You, that's, that's what was appealing to me. As soon as that it's, – it's so funny the way your mind gets warped that as soon as that trade went down, my first – what's a DeGrom strikeout total tonight? And I was mm-hmm. – let my fingers do the walking, as they say. And, you know, what I was mentioning earlier, Larry, we take a bunch of calls. Yes. Not all the calls are golden, right? That's one no. of my rules. Of, you know, people bring up some wacky things. Just in this show alone, we had somebody call up and say maybe Harrison Bader is part of the plan for when Aaron Judge leaves. Again, yes. not all the calls are golden. Mm-hmm. But nobody anywhere called up and said, you know what the Mets' plan should be? Platoon at DH. A nice lefty-righty <laughs> split at platoon DHing. Perfect. perfect. Who needs perfect. J.D. Martinez? Who needs, who needs Josh Bell? It's disappointing. It's ridiculous, Gordon. Uh, well, I, you is. know, I, I was I was looking in the break oh. because you know the Yankee move to me is so puzzling. Uh, I I was listening to Brian Cashman. He he talked to the media a little bit today. I post the trade deadline. We'll and share he was that ta- with you shortly. Yeah, and he was talking about Bader, and Bader's not even expected to be back here until September. IL. Yeah, so I thought, you know, I thought it was, oh, this is going to be, you know, maybe a week thing. No, he's not. You're not going to see him for a month. So the Yankees have now traded for two guys who have had some significant injury his stuff here this year. They they got a lot riding on Frankie Montas, boy. They do. They do. He he better perform. He better perform. He's your number two starter right now, Gordon. Postseason, he's your number two guy. Right now. He is. And, And apparently Severino was not happy. I saw a report today that he was not happy that he was put on the 60 and is not eligible to come back until September. Too bad. No, they need you then. Yeah, no, no, no. We need you too much, and this is a great way to limit your innings this season, and and hopefully he gets back and he gets healthy and all these – because, again, it's all about one thing. That's it's right. all about the playoffs. It's all about winning the World Series. No question. uh, Games in in August and early September for for, uh, Luis Severino do not matter. No. Sack fly after an error from Donaldson, who's going to become the new Joey Gallo. Oof, that's not he's going to be he the needs. new Joey Gallo. Well, I mean, they do have a, a pretty easy replacement in that they could just move DJ to third, yes. leave uh, Glaber at second on a regular basis, and away you go. But yeah, he is not. I mean, that contract, that hitting. deal, that deal does not look that great because you know IKF, who's done an okay job putting the bat on the ball, but defensively he has not been. Again, another guy, he's made some spectacular plays, but the routine plays, and that was what the, the problem with Glaber was, was the routine plays. That's what you need. You need to you got to make the routine plays. Just the ones that you're supposed to get, take care of those ones. Every once in a while, if you make a great play, fantastic. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is the routine ground ball, make sure you field those. Do you, Gordon, in hindsight, should they have re-signed Didi Gregorius? 
I don't know. DD has been, you know, it's not like DD has been lighting the world on fire since he's been gone either. I don't know what he's done so far this year or anything like that. But um, you know, he just seemed to be such a fixture after the slow start. Well, he just I mean, it to was fit there so well. Yeah, it did. It did seem like he seemed like a, a real, uh, you know, a real guy to, that was liked in the clubhouse and all that type of stuff. But um, you know, their plan was to move. I mean, again, their plan was always to move Glaber to shortstop because he had mm-hmm. always been a shortstop. Yeah. But that that did obviously did not. And again, you know, I brought up before, like you have to know the guy. It's not just about the stats on the page. It's about knowing the the people themselves and can they handle it and can they. And Glaber was just not the same player at shortstop. He was and, not. D, and Didi so far this year, sixty one games, two fourteen batting average, two sixty eight on base, and a slugging of three eleven. So uh, he has not. He had one good year that the I think it was the let me see uh, yeah it was the it was the shortened year the first year in Philly he uh, put up an OPS plus of 120 but since then OPS plus last year of 71 this year of 64 so um, look there was other ways you could have went uh, unfortunately the the IKF one I, I start to wonder if they, you know they're so high on Peraza mm-hmm. and and Volpe I don't think they'll call it Volpe but Peraza supposedly the the scouting report is defensively he's a stud. Like he's mm-hmm. ready right now, and it's just a question of the bat. I wonder if if things, you know, get to you a certain point. Without, yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Can't he can't add a shortstop in the trade market now? So, I tell you, crossed. In, the, in the old days, Gordon of the forty man roster on on the first of September, you might bring him up. Yeah, in those yeah. days, you would bring him up, especially if you got a big lead. Mm-hmm. Why would you bring him up and get a taste of what it's like in the big leagues for a month? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think they should consider it. You know, in the old days, you would consider it. Now, I don't know if you do. No, I don't know if you do because you're so limited with numbers now. Gordon, the top story of the day though was the big deal between San Diego and Washington. Here's Jeff Passan on Juan Soto heading west. This is very simply the largest trade package we've ever seen for an individual player. The amount of talent going back to the Washington Nationals matches the amount of talent going to the San Diego Padres for Juan Soto. They're getting Mackenzie Gore, a left-hander. They're getting Robert Hassel, an outfielder, C.J. Abrams, a shortstop, Harlan Susana, a right-handed pitcher, 18 years old, throws 100 miles per hour. James Wood, second-round pick last year, fantastic talent, 6'7", 240 pounds, the biggest power perhaps in the minor leagues, as well as a major league player believed to be Eric Hosmer at this point, though he has Washington on his no-trade list, and so that'll have to be worked out. Point is, when the Washington Nationals set out to trade Juan Soto after he rejected their 15-year $440 million contract offer, they were looking for talent. And the San Diego Padres from the beginning had more talent that they were willing to give than any other team, and that is why this deal got done. And just to add, Gordon, um, Luke Voigt replaced Eric Hosmer in that deal. Luke, Eric Hosmer's going somewhere else. And right. Luke Voigt is going, is replaced him at the first base in that deal. So, listen, there was a lot of talent going both ways, Gordon. And listen, if, you, if you're the Nationals, one or two of these prospects, Gordon, have to produce big time for this deal to be okay. It's got to be, they've got to produce big time because you are, you have traded away before his prime, with his yep. prime still coming, one of the top baseball players in the league at 23. And he's, he's not even, he hasn't even the pro. He's, he, Gordon, he's three years away from his prime beginning. 
these 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 guys that you got these these prospects, they better be good. That's all I know. They better be well, good. I mean, think about how many prospects you hear about every single year. This guy's going to be amazing. That guy's going to be amazing. Oh, they have all the tools. They've got this. They've got that. And how many of the guy? How many of them live up to the expectations? How many of them live up to what the advance billing was? So, uh, in terms of, uh, they got strength in numbers. They got a lot of guys back. You knew whoever, if they did trade for for Juan Soto, you're going to have to give up. You know, four of your top five prospects, maybe your top five prospects, and that's what the Padres gave up, it seems like, in the deal. Uh, but I, I'm fairly confident that when the story of the deal is written, like when we know what the prospects are a few years down the road, the Padres will not have any regrets about Mm-mm. getting Juan Soto. The only, no. the only caveat is if they get him signed to a long-term deal. Right. You know, if they only have them for three years, maybe you feel a little differently if the other guys turn out to be good players. But, I mean, prospects are such a hit-and-miss thing. Yeah. I mean, think about all the levels of minor leagues. How many of those guys ever get to the major leagues? And, and of all those guys that get to the major leagues, how many of them are stars? Yeah. How many of them stay? Right. <laughs> Forget stars. How many of them stay? How many of them don't go back and forth or aren't on shuttles? Let me ask you this. They got, what, like four prospects, right? Like four mm-hmm. kids. Of those kids, do you think those kids, when their careers are over, that they will in total have the same amount of all-star game appearances as Juan Soto? As a, not knowing them, I would have to say no. I mean, I mean, what's the chance? I mean, no. Juan Soto is going to be a fixture at the all-star game every single year for however he long he plays, and he's twenty-three. See, that's the thing. He's twenty-three. He's twenty-three, Gordon. Maybe if he's twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Right. Of course. Then maybe, you maybe then you're you, looking right, at it differently. Reevaluate it. He's 23. Right. We, we talk about like, oh, we're getting this guy when he's 27. Oh, yeah. he's right in his prime, 27. And it's four years away. Know, four years away from 27. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Tim Kirchin weighs in on the trade as well. I think this is the biggest trade in Major League history. And when you talk about transactions in history, it's right there also. This guy is 23 years old. He is the best hitter in the game. He has an amazing track record already. And the future is limitless. And now the Padres, once Tatis Jr. comes back, can go Tatis Jr., Soto, and Machado, one, two, and three in the order. And they just picked up the best closer in the game in Josh Hader. This is all because A.J. Preller, their general manager, is a lunatic and I mean this I don't know I mean this in the nicest way he is absolutely brilliant he is wildly competitive he never sleeps and he said we can win the World Series if we make this trade Gordon that is the definition of all in this season yeah what is done what he's done is the definition of all in and of course you know obviously these weren't guys that you had you know before the, the all he didn't get all of them this season but the two additions that he made, strength in numbers, Gordon, I tell you, if I'm the Dodgers, I, I'm now looking over my shoulder just a little bit. And as LaGreca and Rosenberg were saying earlier, what does Frisco do? Does that mean does that make Frisco really say we can't sit here and be number three all the years? Do they now try to, you know, with all the rumors of you know, Aaron Judge being from yeah. California, yeah. and here we go. Now if he, now is Frisco, do they say, load up the truck, we got to make as great a, a, a offer to Aaron Judge as we possibly can? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe that's the, the, the way that they end up going because um, 
you know, if this had gotten to the offseason and Juan Soto was still a member of the Nationals, uh, I could have seen a situation where, you know, teams would rather have him than Judge, right? Because he's so much younger, even though it's going to cost you more and all that type of stuff. But yeah, now, now if you're a Yankee fan who's going to focus on, on what happens to Judge after this season, you would have to, if, if the odds are, I don't even know if the odds are out. But if Judge were to leave the Yankees, I would have to think the Giants would be the number one team to bet on. Yeah, I would say so. Washington up one nothing over the Mets and have a runner on third with one out. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next. Aaron Judge, I bet, on 98.7 ESPN. Can I make a prediction? Yes, go ahead. DeGrom will get out of the next inning, the fifth inning, probably his final inning of the night with a double play, and the batter who hits into the double play will have two strikes on him when he does because I we are think, one strike out away. I think you will have the double play, but it will be after the lead batter is struck out. I hope so, Larry. From your lips to God's ear, we That's could use I a little, you know, these, these stringing these wins together has been a little bit difficult lately. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And so, – once again, you're right, Gordon. The ground's back. There goes the offense. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's un- and again, it would be one thing. You're facing the Dodgers, you're t- with the Padres, you know, the Braves or something. Ah, it's tough to scratch across some runs. You're facing the Nationals here, Larry. Come on. It's unbelievable. We need we need some Darren Ruff. How quickly can Darren Ruff get to the game? <laughs> <laughs> Corey Abbott. Who, uh, um, you know, not bad, Gordon. You know, he's he's uh, his his stats have not been bad. He's been uh, pretty good this season, but you know, he he his last two his uh his last two starts, Gordon, right? Lost to Seattle six four. Lost to St. Louis five nothing. Okay, so in those games, but he hasn't given up runs a bunch of runs in those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he hasn't gone long. He's been—it's almost like he's been a spot starter, you know. It's like, but yeah, listen. It's, <sighs> well, look for the Nationals now. It's about finding out about guys, right? I mean, Absolutely. Gonna, you'd have to think that the next couple of years that they're just going to be—you know—this year and probably next year they're going to be a bad team. Yeah, no question. You know, worst in baseball, probably. Yeah, among the worst, and 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 Gordon, they're okay with that. <laughs> you got to be now, right? You traded. Okay Otherwise, they wouldn't trade you know, Soto. They, to me, their approach made more like once you decide to trade Soto, you know, get everything that you can. The Cubs mm-hmm. not trading Contreras or not trading Hap, that doesn't make any sense to yeah. me at all. And they trade Robertson, right? Like they send Robertson away. They he's go back. He goes back to the Phillies. Mm-hmm. But but they don't. But they don't trade the other guy. I mean. It's amazing. His teammates were hugging him at the last homestand. <laughs> yeah. We know you're leaving. It yeah. was great. It was great being with you in Chicago. Hey, I'm back. Yeah, that <laughs> How about that? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It does not. It was, but it was similar to last night because Gordon. After we got off the air, you could see as the game was going on late in Washington, like he knew he was gone. He's mm-hmm. hugging. He's hanging around. So I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. He's hanging around with the players. He's hugging some guys. He's, you know, got his shoulder around some guys. I'm like, huh. He's making me out a liar. I thought he'd be there for the rest of the season. Yeah, he know he's too. leaving. He know he's leaving. That's why yeah. he's doing this. That's why he's doing his hugs and stuff now, talking with his guys. Yeah, oh, it doesn't. Uh, 
It doesn't uh, – the Cubs are pro- – and I know they get a draft pick for back when he when he signs someplace else or whatnot. I, it just would – you know, draft pick is, is years away, right? Like you'd yes. think you'd like yeah. to have something a little bit more ready-made. So it would mm-hmm. be setting some price that's so high, it's so ridiculous. Clearly the market does not agree with you. Right. It, uh, like you're, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face to hold on to this guy so you can get a draft pick that maybe three years from then will be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's if you're lucky. That's if. Richardson, Manhattan. What's happening, Richard? Hey, fellas. Between the Mets and the Yankees yesterday, the relief pitching went six and one-third. They gave up no runs between both teams' relief department. If these guys pitch like that, they don't need anybody else. They don't need any hitting. If they're, And the Mets starters... And if the Yankees start, and Herman will be the replacement for Montgomery, and hopefully Severino comes back. So the Yankees and Mets, they just got to play good ball. Now, I would have pitched Chapman yesterday two innings. I would try to see if he can go two innings and see if he can reinvent himself. But the Yankees got plenty of pitching, especially in middle relief, the relief pitching. I, I, if these guys just do what they're doing, as long as Boone handles it good, and uh, Showalter handles it good, we'll be okay. Now, as far as getting these big players, let me ask you guys. We got the greatest, the Yankees got the greatest player in the game in 2004, correct? Or one of the runs? Of course. Right. 15 years, how many World Series did we go to? No fault of his own, but how many did we go to? We went to one. Right. After we got okay. In 2009, we got the best pitcher available. CC Sabathia, eight years. How many World Series did we go to with him? Same, One. same number, yeah. Okay. The Mets, okay. the Yankees. So, signed so the, the target best should be worse players. The Yankees signed the best pitcher three years ago, Cole. Uh-huh. How many World Series have they gone? None. So, None. so, so what you're saying, Richard, is you should get worse players. You should not no, go no, out and get the best players. There's no guarantee getting. No, these of course, there's no guarantees for anything. But do you okay, think that there's I'm a better saying, chance okay. of getting further with good, bet the best players than the worst players? Yeah. yeah, okay, it's better to get him, but if you don't get him, that doesn't mean you have no chance either. No, of course not. Okay. He said that. Now, well, Richard, let me well, Richard, hold, hold on, Richard, hold on, on, Richard. Nobody said that they had no chance. Thanks for the phone call. That's not what I'm saying. I'll, I'll take the Mets side of it, Gordon. Nobody's saying they had no chance with these guys. But, Richard, you will admit that if, I, if, I'm sitting, if my job as general manager is to make the team better, and I'm looking at Josh Bell, <laughs> Wilton Contreras, and I'm looking at Darren Ruff, who's having a bad year with the Giants. Otherwise, Gordon, they wouldn't have traded him. Okay? I gotta, I have to tell you, I'm thinking, I got to explain to my, my owner why he's not looking at seeing Josh Bell or Wilson Contreras in the Met uniform. Okay, obviously, Josh Bell, he was packaged with San Diego. You can't do anything about that. Okay? That's out of his hands. But, Gordon, you mean to tell me? With, with everybody talking about, well, you know, Larry, you need catchers. You, need, you, could, you could not find a way to get Contreras from the Cubs when they're giving away just about everybody? Yeah, it's... Um, it's not what you want. It, it's, it's not. It's, it, and it's a, it's a statement of, like, this idea, well, you know, we don't want to give away our best prospects. We got to think about the future. The Mets have been thinking about the future for 36 years. I mean, 1986 is the last time they won a World Series. And they might not have a better chance to do it in that time. I know they went in 2015. They went in 2000. But this might be their best chance 
since then. This might be their best team since then. So to think that you don't, you don't want to go all in on this season because, you know, this guy, he might be good three years from now. Who the hell cares? This is the time to win. Same thing for the Yankees. Enough is enough. This is the time to win. Go all in. Pay the price. Pay more than's necessary. Sometimes you have to do that. The Cubs, they paid more than was probably necessary to get a Chapman the year they won the World Series. They're not complaining that they won the World Series, right? They're not complaining that they gave up Glaber Torres to get him. So, um, you know, it's amazing to me the moment the Mets or Yankees don't win the World Series, everybody will be killing them for the moves they made, the moves they didn't make. Here we are in the real time saying that this is, you know, I would rather have the better players. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a guarantee that you win. And, and the guys that they got, it's not a sign that they definitely won't win. But I would rather have had the, the, the more marquee players, the star players that are better players overall. Playing the percentages, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so we're yeah. doing. Better talent gives me a better chance to win. That's, just, that's, just, that's the way it goes. Yes, you do have other players, okay? You do have players who fit roles. You have role players who do other things who are not as talented as your main guys. Understood. But when you look at the Met lineup, everybody felt that they needed to do something to add another bat, Gordon, or two. And they didn't think the two were going to be a right-handed and left-handed DH. Now, yeah. that's where it ended up. Hopefully it works out. I'm, I'm, listen, I, I can complain about it all I want to, Gordon, right now. In the moment, I can complain about it. Going forward, hey, if it works out, I'll be the first one to say, it worked out. I'm happy it worked out. I hope it works out, but it's not what I wanted. It's not what I expected. I was looking for something else. Gordon, it's like you've been telling your parents all year what you wanted for Christmas. Mm -hmm. You've been telling them, I want this. This is what I want. They said to you, you get good grades, you'll get it. They said to you, you do all your chores, you'll get it. Oh, you've been wanting it, Gordon. You've been looking for it. And you go down Christmas morning, and it's not there. That's how I feel today. That's and how I feel. So. Yeah, that's, and rightfully so. That's what th That has been the expectation this entire time, and uh, it failed to live up to the expectations. And you thought it was a different time, right? Like with the Wilpons, yeah. this is a typical kind of trade deadline. Ah, well, we didn't get the A or the B or the C. We, we're going to make do, right? We're going to make do with this. And it feels like the Mets are making do with the platoon at DH. They added some relievers who aren't the top flight guys that moved. Um, so I can understand. I mean, there's no way that any Met fan, if they're being honest, can say that they didn't have a great level of disappointment based on what the Mets did today at the trade deadline. Now, speaking of disappointment, Larry. Yes. Two outs in the fifth. DeGrom is at, ah, and there you go, end of the fifth inning. Now, he's only at 59 pitches. Do you think there's any chance that he comes back out for the sixth? Uh, yes. I think there's a shot. We need because it, it was either five innings or seventy-five. So I think okay. I think he's so what comes under. first or what comes last. I, I, I gotta I hope it comes. Yeah, I think he's so far under. They might give him I, Gordon. I think he will convince them to come back out. <laughs> Why not? Come on, Jake. That's come on, I we think. need you. One more I straight. I, I'll say this: I feel like the Nationals are are getting a little better swings. There's not so much are. swing and miss here the last yep. inning or so. They are. They're, they're, you know what? You can throw 100, and then they can time it. The more they see it. And see, that's the other point that I wanted to make to Richard. We'll come back, and I'll share that with you next on 98.7 ESPN.
For those just tuning in, the over-under tonight was six and a half. Mm, that half always gets you. Oh, right? how do they know, Larry? How that do half they know? Always, gets you. It always does. It always, Ugh. always does. Before we hear from Brian Cashman, let me just say this other thing to Richard about all the relievers and stuff that both teams have. When you get into the postseason, Gordon, you notice how you see when teams see your relievers more and more in the short mm-hmm. series, they are less and less effective. Less and less effective. You get to see how everything breaks. You get to see everything. So here's what you want. You want to be able to score runs, Gordon. You want to be able to score runs. Yes, the relievers help. Yes, your starters help. But you have to be able to score runs. And if you don't believe me, I am the perfect person for you to talk about because I have a a two-time Cy Young Award winner who Gordon should have, based on his dominance, Oh, right. 25 to 30 more wins in his career because the team doesn't score for him. Easily. 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 25 to 30 more wins in his career. But they don't score. It's not about the – it's about scoring runs. It's always about scoring runs. Yes, you got to have great pitching and defense. That keeps the other team from scoring runs. But you still have to score. And with the Yankees over the last, you know, the last five years, this latest run here that they've had uh, since the since 2017, more times than not, they've had opportunities to score runs, have not been able to get the big hit, the key at bats. Uh, they've not been able to push across that run here or there despite numerous opportunities. And uh, it's crazy that Jacob deGrom can be a two-time Cy Young, has pitched eight years in the majors. This is his ninth year in the majors and has been as dominating as he has been, and he comes into the night with 77 wins in his career. It's ridiculous. 77 it's ridiculous. wins. That's ridiculous. Gordon, he yeah. should be flirting with 200. Yeah. I mean, easily. Yeah. He should be flirting with 200 easily. He's never had an ERA. It's funny. The, the year that he had the most wins, he had his highest ERA, three and a half. Uh, and then that was 2017. And then since then, 1. 1.7, 2.4, 2.3, 1.08 last year. <laughs> That's unbelievable. And he had uh, seven wins in those 15, 15 starts, an ERA of one, and he won seven games. Which means the team didn't score at least one. Yeah, it did not. I mean, it was a joke, right? It was a constant joke where they would just not um, – they would never score runs for him. And, it, you know, I, I referenced it tonight because here we are. He, yeah. You know, it's Jacob DeGrom night, first time in a calendar year. And the, the Mets are back up to their old tricks where they can't score runs against the Nationals. It, 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 and that's the thing. It never matters what team it is. It's not no. always he's facing good teams. No, there's nope. plenty of times he's facing bad teams. Marlins, the Nationals, whoever in the National League East. Don't score. And, and just don't, they just don't score. They don't score. They don't score. Gordon, let's hear from the Yankee general manager. He is Brian Cashman. And one of the questions was one of the things that we've been asking. Why Jacob? Why, Jacob, why Jordan Montgomery? Why is he heading to the Cardinals you know certainly it's it's hard to get your hands on someone of that caliber um and it takes something to get something and unfortunately it cost us you know one of our homegrown um players in, in, in Jordan Montgomery that we've relied a lot on too so you know I uh sorry to see Montgomery go uh he's obviously a really good pitcher and he's a really good person and and a, and you know he's one of our own so it makes it that much more difficult but uh 
you know, it's the tough world that I live in and, and the tough world that this business operates in. All right. Now, what did you see from Harrison Bader and why is he so, uh, I guess, so needed in the Yankee outfield? Uh, St. Louis obviously needs um, starting pitching. Uh, and, you know, Harrison Bader, Bader is, you know, one of the elite center field uh uh, defenders in the game um, and so he provides a lot of lanes for us I think for our manager uh, when he's when he's healthy which you know certainly we did a, a deep dive into his medicals and and it's, there's a lot of optimism and belief that uh, you know sometime you know September wise we'll be able to unpack that present and um, and you know deploy him as a choice for our manager all right, so you get it, Gordon. Once again, obviously, it's, you want to upgrade yourself defensively. That's a good thing. Um, will he give you – I mean, he hit 256. Uh, not a lot of home run power. You don't expect that. That's not what he brings to the table. Five home runs, 21 RBIs. But uh, the thing here is, yeah, you want to solidify yourself defensively, but I just think you could have got yeah, – just me. I understand that they need starting pitching, but if they really, really, really needed starting pitching, I'm sure Jordan Montgomery didn't have to be the person that you gave up. Yeah, it's it's a puzzling move, right? Like you're giving up one of the guys that you're kind of relying on right now in the rotation, who's not spectacular, but he's steady. Uh, he's a guy that you uh, you know you can count on every fifth day to go out there and give you a chance to win, and you don't have a lot of those guys right now with Severino going down. Um, so it is a, it, and it's a strange move. Uh, and, and when the rest of your rotation with the exception of Garrett Cole is all kind of, you're all kind of worried about their innings as well. You're worried about Cortez's innings, um, Tyone's innings, everybody's innings. You're kind of worried about them and how you're going to maneuver that the rest of the way. So, um, look, Bader is apparently this, this stud in center field defensively. He won a gold glove last year. He's not a terrible offensive player. Uh, he's slightly above average offensively, um, but yeah, it's the, it's it's a head scratcher. It yeah. you know from the moment it came down, you're like, there has to be something else that you're you're going out and doing, and and really listen to Brian Cashman. I don't feel like I got any more clarity. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just they just want Gordon. I just think they felt they needed to upgrade, and they, there's nothing that Jordan Montgomery has done to make him untouchable. They yeah, felt that you know they they felt that they could they they've got people that can replace him in the rotation, so they did. Trevino with a two run home run cuts the Seattle lead to four three, as uh, we move to the top of the fifth. There, Gordon. When we return, we'll turn our attention to a little football. The boys, meaning Lagreca and Rosenberg, were out at Jetland today. They spoke to a number of people. We'll hear from them and get some takeaways next. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight, the early edition on ninety eight seven ESPN. <laughs> Got football Thursday night, my friend. We got Jacksonville and Vegas. I'm sure Roger Goodell would love to get us hyped up on that right now, so we avoid the, the whole Deshaun Watson <laughs> conversation, right? Oh, absolutely. Do not he pay any attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> he is very happy with the fact mm. that uh, football is starting on the field, so he can stop stop talking. Stop talking about the other stuff, which he hasn't made a comment about yet. <laughs> it's yeah. ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Once again, the Michael K. Show was at Jet Camp today. And obviously, yes, there's talk about everybody, both sides of the football, defense, rookies, everything. But 
the number one conversation is always about the quarterback, Gordon. It's about Zach Wilson. And Robert Sala was asked about Zach Wilson's progression so far. He's taken a step. We, I, I do think he's gotten a lot better. He's got more control of the huddle. He's got command of the offense. Um, he's very confident. He talks to his players. He, know, he knows exactly what's going on from play to play. Um, really like where he's at from, and from a mental space. And it's just continuing to piece together again. Even for him, it is his second year, but the, the playbook, it, the, the words get longer, the calls get longer, and, um, and he's doing a really nice job uh, working with his team and getting things uh, going in the direction that he needs and uh, really excited for him to continue, and especially those inter-squad scrimmages where we get a chance to go against Atlanta and, and, and the Giants where you get a different face, uh, different defense to play against just to see him continue to evolve. Yeah, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing as well, Gordon. It, it doesn't I, – I know that eventually – you will get to you'll get to figure out what the jet defense does as players you see all the time but it's also they're also going to make you as good as they are right <laughs> they can't make you better than they are talent wise so it's going to be those scrimmage games it's going to be even more so Gordon, now than the preseason games because a lot of people don't play in the preseason right so it is those scrimmage games where both teams understand we're scrimmaging you know, let, let's let's keep it cool and everything. So, guys, that's where now, and with only three preseason games, Gordon, that's where you really have to make your decisions. Now it's going to be in scrimmage games. So how Zach Wilson performs in those games is really going to be what I'm looking forward to see. Well, look, we're, we'll evaluate him all season long because that's what we do as fans, as media members. But you'll know right away. Like, from where he was at this time a year ago, like that first, uh, the first, uh, the regular season games, he has to be significantly better than that. And if if he is, you'll see it right away. Like, he'll just look more comfortable. The throws will look better. And and just the, the overall, the, 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 the easier plays will come to him easier. Because uh, that was something that he struggled with last year. Just little dump-off passes looked weird. He just never really seemed comfortable until the injury and he came back. So uh, I think you'll know right away what kind of year Zach Wilson is going, not maybe the, the top end, but at least the floor of him being much better than he was in year one. Now, if I'm a Jet fan, I hope the answer to this question is no. But uh, Coach Sala was asked, is Zach Wilson where you want him to be? I really like where he's at with regards to the command and where he's going because uh, there is a realistic expectation in our book in terms of just showing up, be your personal best. We know the arm talent. Um, playing quarterback is the hardest position in all the in, in the entire world, all of sports, uh, in my opinion. And um, and I do think that he's moving in the direction that we like. And it's it's just a matter of time before he busts through that ceiling and becomes a player we all think he's going to be. Right. So, no. <laughs> and that's good. You don't want him to peak too early, Gordon. You want him. No, he's not where he needs to be. No, you're because coaches are never satisfied. So he's got to keep working. Got to keep working. Yeah, but I mean, he, he didn't he kind of say the same things last year about Zach Wilson? Like, yes, yeah, no, we like where he's at. And, and when he got into actual games, nobody liked where he was at. I mean, no. he was he was kind of lost. He was kind of overwhelmed. He was not prepared to be an NFL starting quarterback at the start of, of last year. Uh, and how much criticism did the Jets get as a result of, of having him and not having an acceptable backup and, and all the criticism from there uh, to kind of tutor uh, Zach Wilson? So... Uh, look, I, I always kind of take everything that happens in training camp with a grain of salt. Get me through it healthy and, and mm -hmm. we'll let the bullet start flying and then we'll see where we're at. Uh, it, it's pretty clear what we need to see from Zach Wilson this year. And you know, for all the talk of he's, he's doing this better, he's doing that better, 
we won't really know because it's too self-serving, right? It's it's yeah. it's in the jet. The Jets are never going to come out and say, "Oh, geez, that Zach Wilson. Oh boy, he's really he's really having a rough time of it." Everybody's going to put a, a happy face on it, so we'll see if the happy face is the actual right face when when Week One rolls around. Joe Douglas, what are you saying? What does he have to improve on? I think the pieces around him, plus his his second year being in the system and the expectations. Uh, from the coaching staff for him and his expectations for his teammates and his coaching staff. I feel like everyone's better in the second year than they are their first year. And so um, I think that's going to, you're going to see that happen organically just from a comfort level within the scheme with, with his chemistry, with his players. I I think you're going to see that, that uh, upward tick happen organically as the preseason progresses. So go ahead, I'm going to move on now and I'm going to talk with, hear what Robert Salas got to say about his defense, because for me, other than Zach Wilson, we get it. We know he's got to improve. He's got better weapons. They have a run game. The offensive line should be better. The offense should be better. But, Gordon, you're a defensive coach. You were a defensive coordinator. Your team got to a Super Bowl as, you, as with you being a defensive coordinator. Gordon, there was certain energy. And let's be honest, he got this job based on what he was able to do as a defensive coordinator with the, with the 49ers. So the defense last year, in a word, well, in several words, was not good. <laughs> Especially for about four or five games, they were awful. They were brutal. So, Robert Sala, is your defense better this year than last year? We had a four-game stretch after the bye week. It was New England, Cincinnati, yeah. Buffalo, and Indianapolis. Probably the worst four-game stretch that I've seen in in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we never really recovered from a statistical standpoint. But I, I think when you look at raw statistics, it hides that. I do think we got a lot better as the year went on. We became a much more consistent defense. We added some cool pieces. We get some people back from injury and uh, really excited about the direction the defense is going. But the, it's the same expectations and that show up, do your best, um, uh, maintain the standard at which we're trying to create, and let's see what happens. Here's the bottom line, Gordon. Uh, the defense has got to be more physical. They've got to do a better job stopping the run. When you stop the run and you put teams in second and third and long situations, it makes it a little easier for your for your defense because you get to dictate a little bit. They were never able to stop the run last year during that four-game stretch. People were going through. There were holes where you and I could have ran through side by side. That Colts game? <sighs> that Colts game was a, ni- <laughs> that was a nightmare. Um, yeah, they had some they had some rough performances last year. There's no doubt about it. And, and look, it, it, it depends on what kind of person you are because so far the reports from training camp has been the defense has been ahead of the offense. Like the, the, the defense looks more game ready at this point than the offense, which is great for the defense. I don't know that it's a great sign for the offense, though. But again, you take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. But once again, Gordon, what does that mean? If the offense is not that good, the defense yeah. is going to be ahead of the offense. So right. that's why for me, like like we were saying earlier, it, it's it's the scrimmages, it's the preseason when you get to face somebody else. That's when you really and plus they're, they're not doing pads, so you know the, there's there's a lot that you just there's a lot that you just don't know right now. What they're really doing is trying to get familiar with the schemes and versatility, and as much as possible, guys who are trying to make this team are trying to do some things that jump off the video so that they can have a chance to be on special teams or the practice squad or whatever it is, okay, and try to get some playing time. That's what this is really about. Because for me, until they put pads on the show and go against somebody else, it doesn't mean anything. Nothing. Nothing. That Colts game 
Jonathan Taylor ran for 172 yards on 19 carries. His, He's still his running. Average, his average was 9.1. His backup, Naheem Hines, only carried the ball six times, had 74 yards. His run per carry was 12.3. Uh, Taylor had two touchdowns. Hines had one. Carson Wentz looked like uh, the MVP again because he went two, 22 of 30 for 272 and three touchdowns. How and could the Jets he not? Gave up 45 points. How could he not? Because you couldn't stop the run. No, they couldn't do anything. That so so if you can't stop the run, you can't stop the pass. <laughs> and then you're not getting – and listen, the only way you got off the field is because you gave up touchdowns. <laughs> That's how you got off the field. You didn't stop anybody. No. Is it too late for the Mets to bring back Jacob DeGrom? Yeah, I think it is because they're yeah. down 4-1. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Uh. And remember, Gordon, they got a big five-game series this weekend with Atlanta. Yes, that's So when true. you folks are telling me about this, this, you know, this, well, the platoon thing should work, let me see how it works this weekend. And, oh, by the way, Atlanta picked up Jake Odorizzi, did they not? Yes, they did. Well, uh, look, th- it, right now, everything is, well, you know what? Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's all right. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like this. If you take a look at these numbers or those numbers, if this goes south in any way, Larry, you know what the re- the reaction is almost always based on the results. It's That's not right. based on reason. It's based on the results. So That's right. if the results go south, the reaction will follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because once again, Atlanta made moves to improve themselves. And and look, you as know, they always maybe do. maybe their their moves aren't uh, aren't anything you know that jump off the page. You like the Mets moves don't jump off the page. The Braves last year made some moves that didn't jump off the page, and it didn't jump off the page until they won the World Series because of those moves. That's right. And people thought they were going to take a step back because of what Freddie Freeman meant to that team. But Olson started off slow, Gordon. He he's been lowering the boom. Balls have been flying off his bat out of the ballpark. Matt Olson has played very well for them. Yep. Yeah, they know what they're doing in Atlanta. I mean, they've done a nice job, and, and now they've locked up another piece of their core with Riley. So they're going to be they're going to be a good team for a while. They are. They yeah. are. And the, the only thing that real the only thing is the pitching staff. Uh, yeah, it's not the best. It's not the best, but no. they've got the bats to hold that pitching staff up. All that pitching staff, and they added some. You know, they added some bullpen folks. So Gordon, all that pitching staff has to do if they give you five six innings, you'll go to the bullpen. You'll mm-hmm. take your chances. And, and look, in playoff games, that's a lot of times what happens, right? Yeah. Like the, the the starter's gone by the fourth or fifth inning, and then you're into the bullpen, and, and that's going to tell the tale. So, Even the yeah. Aces leave early in the in the postseason, mm-hmm. Gordon. You know, the the whole idea of old-time baseball, well, my Aces are going to go seven innings and the, the, World's, the no, World Series. Those up. days no, are gone. No, no, no. That's, that's not the way it is. So. That's the other reason why I'm I'm a little disappointed that the Mets didn't do anything. But I, I I've said that enough. I'm tired of hearing myself complain. And I just saw I don't know that this is a quote, but Andy Martino tweeted out that Billy Epler's trade deadline began when he acquired players like Starling Marte, Mark Canna, Chris Bassett, and Steve Cohen lured, lured Scherzer. They put themselves in position to not need a splash. It's a sign of a maturing organization that the Mets did not did not seek one just because. Uh, to me, that is such nonsense. That is such not. Yes, you needed those guys to be a good team, which you certainly are this year. But there's no reason why you could not have added to that when in a season that has gone about as well as it could. But the biggest games are still to be played. 
I just, I, I, you had to add something better than what you did. I get what you're saying. I get it. That you added. That sounds like a, that sounds like something that the Wilpons would have said. Yeah, I get well, what you're our saying. Our trade deadline is when we sign these guys in the offseason. No, you already had those guys. You right. already had the Grom coming back. Right. You still have to tweak. Absolutely. You still had to tweak your lineup. You knew better than anybody else. You saw how this team struggled with scoring runs. Do they? Okay. Has Vogelbach hit a home run since he's been here? I don't think so. He's got a bunch of walks. Okay. No, he hasn't hit a home run yet. Okay, where, where, so where's the is, – is he, has he gone 10 for 15? 7 for 15? 2 for 15? I mean, what? what? How do I know How do I know he's going to – I mean, nobody can be Joey Gallo. But well, how do see, I know and, that and you he know can what the do thing well? Is, like, these moves might work out, as we said. Yeah. But if you were going to make this point that the Mets were not going to be involved in any of these big names – then the moves that they made would seem like, okay, fine, I trust them. They weren't, they weren't targeting any. But the talk for weeks was they were targeting J.D. Martinez and Josh Bell and Trey Mancini and Wilson Contreras and David Robertson, and they got none of those guys. None. So don't tell me now, well, no, the Mets didn't need to make those big moves when everyone everywhere was reporting and, and talking about how they were going to add this guy and that guy, and then you didn't get any of them. And then, oh no, no! What re- in in reality, though, that's all that's all good. No, you you tried for them and you didn't get any of them. All right, and listen, okay, that happens, but 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 don't try to tell me this is this is great when yeah. I could have had that. That that's that's not going to work. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety eight point seven ESPN.